Welcome to Can You Do a Double with Ruby and Britt, where we spill the tea on our life fails, mid-twenties and all things nursing. So really, a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Britt here. A quick disclaimer, we're just two registered nurses from Australia, debriefing about our nursing journey so far and using this podcast as a creative outlet. This podcast is not intended to give out medical or policy education, and we strongly advise you look into your own workplace policy and do your own research into important topics. This episode covers topics that may be triggering. Please check the show notes for some helpful resources. I just died in your arms tonight. Must have been something you said. Wow, that was really good. That was honestly on point. I thought I was listening to the original recording. I think I'm, I'm done. Sweet I am tunes. part of the cutting crew. Are you? No. I'm a groupie then. Oh, I'm all about it. That's that good. Was, that was the band. I should leave this podcast and pursue a singing career. What podcast are we listening to, by the way? Hello and welcome back to the second episode of Can You Do a Double? Hosted by myself, Ruby, and my co-host, Britt. Hey guys, welcome back. If you know where that song is from... You're probably one of our 25 Instagram followers. 25. You've heard it here. We have. Better get in before we go private. Oh, don't threaten them with a good time. (laughs) No, seriously, I can't believe we have 25 followers. Yeah, at Can You Do a Double. Yes, shameless plug. Shameless. (laughs) And we've just been absolutely forcing every single person that we know or someone we know knows. Yes, to to, listen to to it. To listen to it. My sister was, in fact, in hospital the other day and told the nurses that her sister had started a podcast. So I wonder if we got any views from that. Yeah, if you looked after my sister, one, you're a legend, and thanks. <laughs> and two, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> the wildest ride you're going to go on for the next 12 months. Literally. So there you go. We've had a busy week. Mm, very Ruby, busy. you've had a very busy week. I've been on night shifts. You are in the middle of six. I'm on day five of six, and I'm going to go on to a night shift tonight, which is so exciting. Yeah, I'm that really anxiety excited. is going to hit you at 10 p.m. Yeah, and I will question every decision I've ever made in my life. Yes, pretty much. So that's great. It's exciting. We're um, actually going to start a new segment, though, at the beginning of each podcast called Our Wins and Fails, and we're just mm-hmm. going to try to talk about our quickly wins and fails of the week. So hopefully we have some wins. Hopefully we have some week. wins. This week seemed to be quite challenging to to find a win. So yeah, we just we have a mutual win this week, and it was a good yeah, one. It was a good one. We went out for dinner earlier this week with um, some of our work friends. We went to a Brazilian barbecue place. Mm. I've never been to a place Neither like this have before, I. and I think we were all very sketchy on the details. Like we all got together. There was a group message. There were key details mm. in that message. I probably ignored Same. quite a few of those. I also ignored them and just went with the flow showed up time place i was just like dinner i was a short a good time i was there did you have a good time yeah it was great mm. it was pre-night shift so everyone else had a few drinks and i was there sober sally watching. just watching from afar so i'm a bit of a tiktok addict i think if you have tiktok you can become addicted very quickly. It's one of those apps that you just scroll and scroll and scroll and then you've been there for like three hours. But on TikTok of late, I've seen this trend going around mainly for the gym girlies and it's like mind-altering moments in the gym that have kind of changed the way you exercise or the way you approach gym. And this is kind of been, this trend's been applied to nursing and I thought we could talk about it on this episode. So Ruby and I have constructed a list of mind-altering nursing moments 
that have kind of altered how we do things in life, in nursing, how we've grown from different situations we've been in. And things that have really kind of changed your perception or made you go, wow, okay, like this is a lot. Yeah, definitely. So our first one we wanted to talk about, our most memorable sort of cardiac arrest or arrest situation we've been in. So my first one was the first ever cardiac arrest I saw when I was in my grad year on a night shift. And uh, the emergency, the triple alarm went off, which I'd never heard before. Really? Yeah, I hadn't heard it at that point. So I sort of didn't know what was going on. Only probably my, I don't know what, I hadn't been doing nights for very long either. And I turn around and I see, I can't actually see the face of the patient, but I can see a nurse doing CPR and I can see his body moving as she is doing the CPR. Like I can see his stomach moving like from the angle I was at because it was obviously very effective CPR yeah and I hit around a corner did you yeah I hit around a corner and I stuck my face around and was I had no I literally had no idea what to do no idea we've all been there like we've I think we've all been in that situation where we're just overwhelmed and we don't know how to help literally when I'm like that I just start drawing up flushes like there's like 30 different saline flushes ready to go because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> well, I definitely went flight. Yeah. Final flight kicked in. I was like, flight. How I'm, can I remove myself? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to go for a morning tea break now. Yeah, literally, I was like, I don't know what to do. And when we released the first episode and put it on our stories, yeah. one of the other nurses who was in that situation actually messaged me and oh said... Gosh oh my god I hope that you're not so too scarred I still remember seeing your like little face around the corner so (laughs) no that kind of brought that back to my mind but then she like beckoned me over and gave me the pad and was like you can scribe which is why I think that is my go-to role in emergency situations which my colleagues will attest to I'm like I can scribe I think it's just a comfort thing it is but the scribe is an underrated role it's so important especially in an arrest to make someone who doesn't know what they're doing scribe in an arrest is not a good idea yeah so for those of you that might not come from like a nursing background the scribe is basically the person that's note-taking during the whole arrest they're not actively doing CPR they're not working the defib or or giving medications etc they're the person that's writing all of the details the times the medications given the rounds of cpr because you have to count them so yeah you have to be like are we up to adrenaline are we doing a rhythm check yeah you have to be the one and you have to be quite loud as well mm. and it's really assertive. hard when you yeah assertive you have to be like two minutes to rhythm check one minute to rhythm check otherwise people will just do whatever they want kind of and everyone has their own trains of thought going on it's very much muscle memory yes but i've been in emergency situations with you when we've i've been the scribe or you've been the scribe but i think that's something that we've probably like grown now like we're both very assertive in that role i think now yeah more so than what we were like when we started together like three years ago i was not in that situation i was not assertive at all i'm going rhythm check yeah like, I was, like, whispering it, and everyone's going, where's the scribe? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> but, yeah. And it, the funny thing is, it's a carbon copy, too. Mm. Like, okay, this might sound really naive, because this is, like, an old-style thing. I can't even believe we still do, like, carbon copies. But you have to – if the person that has, like, done the defib check and, like, the resus trolley check hasn't put the carbon copy right, 
you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like you have, it's like a receipt. Yeah. You've got three copies and they all have to go to different like places. Like an invoice. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting system. But, but that can I actually, add to the stress. Yeah, li- and yeah, it's a bit confusing until you kind of know what you're doing. But I remember she, the other girl who was in the arrest with me, she handed me a progress note and was like, write down the time. So it was like yeah. 102, 104, 106. And then she said, write an A beside every second one so mm. you can remember where you're up to. And that's actually a really helpful, handy tip that I still use today. So if you're listening to this pod- episode... Yeah. Thank you for the tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I remember my first arrest. Isn't that weird? Really? I probably like blocked it out. I think it might have been yeah. so bad that I just blocked it out. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. I think because there was there wasn't a lot of people around, so yeah, I felt very. You had to do stuff. I had to do stuff. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes in those situations during the day, there's just so many people there mm. that it kind of gets a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And really hard to um, select your roles because in those, when you do your training for advanced life support or even basic life support, you are meant to establish your roles. Mm. But I think when there's like 30 people there, everyone kind of wants a bit of the pie like they all want to help which is just such a natural reaction but then it can get a bit messy as to who's doing what yeah it can def that there are situations that are handled magnificently mm-hmm. and then ones that can be a little bit more chaotic um but anyway basically how i felt mind altered in mm-hmm. that was that i never I'd seen the name of the patient on the handover sheet and had never looked after them. Yeah, right. But I'd never physically seen them walking around. Oh. Like, yeah, even though they were very independent, I never saw them walking around. Yeah. And I, after the arrest, which was unfortunately, they did pass away, Mm. I'd never seen their face. Yeah. And I felt very strange. Yeah. Mm. And as if it, maybe as if it wasn't. It was almost wasn't real. Yeah. And I can understand that. Yeah, I rang my mum at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess that leads on to our next our next point is the importance of debriefing, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that love hate relationship that we have with our workplace because mm-hmm. especially if you work in a critical care environment and you're seeing lots of adrenaline inducing situations, uh, that's what I love about my job is that you do feel like you're making a difference when it's such a critical moment. But it's also the most fatiguing part and you've just really got to establish a very good system of debriefing to get you through it. Definitely. Because that, that situation and your first arrest, you could have very well easily just not wanted to come back, you know, Yeah. if you didn't have your mum. No, yeah. And I think you get a bit addicted to that adrenaline rush as well. Like when it's happening and when mm. you are helping and you're all working together to do something it is amazing it's a great feeling and you feel like you've really achieved something and sometimes you can feel like you don't need a debrief sometimes yes but then you go to bed and you dream of what you saw and you don't sleep yeah or it can affect you like a, a week or two later yeah yeah and you suddenly you're in a similar situation and you're panicked and you don't know why you're panicked yeah true that's something i've experienced and what i was going to say when you were talking about that your first arrest the patient didn't 
make it, that's a very different outcome as well because so many of the arrests that we're in, our patients come back. Like they're, mm. we have a successful resus and they're back. Stabilised and they're yeah. yeah, and we have a solution. They, you know, something happens and we get the ball rolling, whether that they go to ICU or they go like the you cath know. lab or, you know, yeah. different solutions. But when a patient actually dies, that is a really difficult thing to to part with you kind of can question your 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 skill and whether you did everything that you could have and being a part of a debrief that's very structured yeah um that has a no blame culture is extremely important important yeah Yeah. i don't think i had a real debrief at in that instance or yeah not one that i was acutely aware of i think that everybody around me was probably doing like an informal one just at the desk but i don't remember the rest of the shift yeah maybe because you were just a bit in shock yeah and I was very new and didn't know what I was doing yeah so that's it but I had a really um positive debriefing experience actually oh did you yeah so after a different situation on a late shift and um one of the nurses on with me waited around until I'd finished all of my notes which took ages and we went to McDonald's and we oh, had yes. oat milk lattes, and she even had chicken nuggets. And she's even vegan. She's vegan. She told me this. She's yeah. vegan. She had chicken nuggets. And I really appreciated her staying around to talk it out mm. with me. And I think we both obviously needed it, but it let me then go home and go to sleep and yes. know that everything had been done properly and, you know. Yeah, and we've done that too. We've Definitely. gone out for breakfast after a really bad night shift where someone did actually arrest and it was just a very stressful night. Lots of tears. Lots of tears. From me, from everyone basically. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we just went and had some eggs Betty and it was all fine again. Yeah, it was it was great. Showed our faces the next day. And that's what you need because otherwise if you don't have that person to spar off and mm get their reassurance and their perception you can you just think about it over and over and over and over and over and over again yeah what you said what someone else said what you could have done did you not do this did you not go here like so having that person to be like nope this is what happened it was fine yeah sort of puts that all to bed straight away yeah definitely um and whether you're debriefing you know once you've done that some people love to talk it through other Mm. people like we have a lot of friends that are really into the gym Mm. like that's their outlet when things kind of are on their mind so i guess you just have to find what's going to get you out of your head and Mm. get you past those situations i always think if you um can obviously there's some circumstances where you might need to take a day Mm. to recover but if you can show your face the next day on your next shift whenever that is I think that helps to get through it um, because you kind of realize that it's not always going to be bad you're gonna have good days as well yeah so and it does take time like sometimes people are not going to be immediately ready to talk about it straight away they do need some time yeah so leading on from that first topic about where we sort of talked about it us becoming more assertive mm. um a second topic is where you really a- get exposed to people who are wild and with their comments with, with their, their words <laughs> and they say some things to you that you are not expecting another human to say or do and you're not sure when they ever would have thought that it was 
appropriate to do it. Yeah, but ever? they've just chosen when they're in a healthcare setting to say it. Well, you sort of think like, is it, are you just being a bit racist because you're from that sort of age group and you're, you're not, you don't understand political correctness or, yeah. you know, you don't mean it to be, you know, taken the wrong way. Yeah. But the way it's come off is just is so, so inappropriate. inappropriate. And it's that, like, it's not just that. It's, like, over-sexualizing nurses, like, fetishizing oh. people. It's Ugh. the weirdest experience, especially when you're younger. Yeah. Because you haven't been exposed to it at all, really. No. And then suddenly you're having to, like, hear these old men say these things to you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And you're... You're with the patient in like some of the most vulnerable, what you would think are their most vulnerable moments. Like you, True. we see these patients True, in all different settings, you know, yeah. like clothes, no clothes, everything. Cause that's, that's our job. Like we yeah. have to do our job. Yeah. But sometimes people just use that as a, a opportunity to make really crude, gross comments. Gross comments. And you just have no idea what to do no no it's like a state of panic and shock and oh my god did they actually say that are they confused i hope so yeah if they're confused totally fine that's fine yeah no issues at all but if you're not confused there's issues yeah if and then you have to go back in as well like yeah you you're looking after them for a whole shift yeah so you then have to have that awkward encounter go away and then come back in at a later date yes yeah and that actually is a good topic because it's like I think that's probably why my growth was a bit stunted in the way of assertiveness when it came to these comments, because you don't want to like, in uni, they tell you about building a rapport with your Mm, patients. That's a big deal. Yeah, because that's how you gain their trust. That's how, you know, you can communicate and you have those hard conversations with people when you need to. But also when you have someone that's coming off and saying really inappropriate things, that is not your first response you don't want to build a rapport you don't want to continue the conversation with this person Mm. so sometimes you just kind of let things slide you're like well that's inappropriate but but i'll ask not to have them next shift or something yes or i'm going to tell my team leader and we can see maybe if it's bad enough maybe we can reallocate yeah because we've had that in some some settings where we've had patients that are just really racist Mm. or really inappropriate and they you do have to reshuffle it's just not appropriate different personalities as well and like because staff shouldn't have to deal with those comments no no that's completely yeah um but i remember like when i was a student probably one of my like at an ain one of my first (laughs) in introductions into this was um so i've got really long hair and it's like rapunzel uh, but brunette yeah close to it okay um and if you know me you'll know that how long it is but i remember like bending down like squatting down to put this old man's shoes on for him Mm. and he like reached over and grabbed my ponytail oh no and like fully pulled me down not and i was like woo. That is, it's just so wild. And That's he said, ha, 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 haven't done that in a while. Oh, yuck. And what a I silly old man. I ran away. I would. I'd be like, I'm never going back. I'm As you've established, go. I'm a flight kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't assertive at all in that situation. There was, there was no fight. There was no, no. fight. Good night. It enough. was flight it immediately. Was just, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we, it is a weird, like, power imbalance because we are technically public servants and no like in the sense of we you know can't really avoid them we have to continue care and be like 
non-judgmental that's like what we're taught right yeah. and when that happens it's really hard because it's hard to lay down boundaries then. yes that's yeah. what it is it's setting boundaries setting boundaries straight away yeah do you have any similar stories oh i have no Tons. like i have a, no not hundreds well i think just as you become more aware of it because sometimes you do have to process it and if you don't allow yourself to process it you don't really know what's going on you just kind of laugh it off and let it go mm. um but of late, like maybe in the last two, three years, I've I've just called them out if they've been really inappropriate. You're direct though. You're very like in that setting, yeah. And you're 100%. very professional in the way you speak too. I put my teacher voice on. Oh. Get it from my mum. <laughs> they get a proper warning. Like you're oh, not going out. No hat, no play. No hat, no play. Kind of your dog. curtains are closed. Literally. Well, mm. talking about curtains, that leads us onto one of my stories. Is um, so. With our nursing, a lot of the times we tend to escort patients to different procedures, scans, because we've got to go hand over the patient. Or and they're monitored. So. Yeah, you've got to look after them when they're in that setting. Can't just send them on their way and mm. leave them alone, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> um, in this setting, I wish I could have left this person <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> Anyways, I was doing the right thing. This patient's being... Um, pushed on a wheelchair by a wardsman and you do the right thing by like opening the doors for them and you're trying to create a clear flow so that they can just and get heavy like double doors yes that, yeah yeah so you're using like your body weight to open the doors anyways i'm walking ahead and this is the back in the days where we all wore pinafores all those really ugly ill-fitting like dress trousers that oh never fit yeah me. so i pinafores always were cute they're hot they're yeah cute. well that's the thing they yeah in quotation marks cute yeah um but they also tended to be quite overly sexualized i think when you wore your pinafores they're very impractical you can't do many nursing tasks in your pinafore i don't think but this patient was just kind of giving me the creeps can't describe it in any other way just being a real seed and then we get back to our ward and i'm you know like trying to unload him from the wheelchair and he just turns around to the wardsman and he says, oh, get a glimpse of that. I don't mind looking at that. And I was like, that is disgusting. <laughs> and then more so than that, he's sitting like right across from our, uh, like a nurse's station. And he's like, I get to look at them all day. Oh, yuck. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I felt like this stomach churn yeah. kind of moment. And I just turned around and I said to him, that is disgusting. Don't talk to us like that mm. you know if you make any more disgusting comments like that i will have to involve my team leader yeah. and the nurse unit manager and then i just had the grump so bad that i just went and grabbed the blue curtain and just went <laughs> across <laughs> and just shut it i was like well you don't get no any, deal you don't get any of you you're trapped in your room <laughs> like, fair, time enough. Out. fair enough time out yeah that's it teacher voice yeah well i applied my teacher voice good on you it was one of those moments and I walked away thinking, wow, good on me. Like, cause it was setting boundaries. Yeah. Which is what you need to do and be like, that's not appropriate. A hundred percent. And we if still you continue. We will escalate. this. Yeah. Forever. And it seemed to work because he didn't try it again. Oh, <laughs> I think he's probably go. a bit scared. There you go. That's yeah. good. Um, and then the other one, which is way worse uh, in my opinion. So cringe warning i'm just gonna put it out there i'm already cringing yeah. i know the story i'm already cringing <laughs> you know what's coming well it's like the roles reversed it was the one time that i've really seen a lady like an 
an older lady be overtly sexual and make hideous comments towards a male employee. Ooh. Yeah, so this is – it was just shocking, can I just say. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> shocking. We were in doing, like, I don't know if it was, like, pressure area cares or bedpan or pad or whatever. She was bedbound for whatever reason. And we're in the – it must have been something to do with hygiene, 100%, because she just – yeah, we were basically almost finished at this point. Mm. And she just turns to this male colleague and she goes, gosh, you look like you have strong fingers and nice hands or something like that. And I just, uh, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And then I was so taken aback. I was like, no, no, <laughs> no there's no way. There's absolutely no way that someone would say that. And then she <laughs> followed it up by something of the of the nature of like, I wish I could see more of it. Uh, or, like, or like implying she wanted to see his skill in ability. And I uh, I, it's so funny because I've talked to this employee, like colleague since. And he's like, yeah, it was so funny. Your reaction, you just like lifted your hands away from the patient and just went. <gasps> I was just so grossed out and shocked, shocked. And I came away. I couldn't say anything to the lady. I was just so taken aback that I felt so bad because I didn't advocate for him <laughs> in that situation. Because he would have been a bit newer at that time as well. He was. He was yeah. only like a few months in. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt so bad because I'd never seen it. I thought that he would have never seen it. Yeah. No. I came away and I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I should have told her off. Like, I'm really, really sorry. And he's like, you know, it happens all the time. I'm like, no way. And he's like, yeah. That blows my mind. It does. It really does. But maybe, maybe there's just different tactics because I feel like sometimes men especially just come out with full confidence and say it in like yeah. an open setting. Whereas I think maybe ladies, I don't know, this could be extremely general, generalized, but maybe they just say it in a more quieter environment. Maybe. Maybe it's also like you pick up on it more as a woman's yeah. hearing that. Whereas like... Maybe the boys don't hear it when the old men say because it, like it, maybe yeah, it's just yeah. not the same kind of yeah or it's it's more expected in yeah. men and maybe I don't know yeah anyways it's all inappropriate and what we're getting with yuck at this point is one disgusting foul but also call them out mm. and try and set your boundaries as best you can like we love a good rapport with patients but if they're making you uncomfortable or they're saying just really inappropriate things that are directed at mm. you you have a right to say that's inappropriate and i think you're good at that because i've even seen you like when you see something that you think is inappropriate you're like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> i think we can't say that no. story on the podcast, no. but yes, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, so I, just, I wish I could be like that because I'm very like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Anyways. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, I've actually got the timer on. Yes. Oh, that's even better. That's even better. Perfect. All right. It's properly working now. Yeah. Take it away. All right. Um, so for our last segment, we just wanted to quickly talk about instances we've been involved in with escalating like behaviors from patients and code blacks and security and how we kind of look at our own safety and the safety of our colleagues. 
we're actually recording uh, on an app as well. So we're recording separately from our own houses. So yep. if it sounds a little bit funny, that's that's what we're doing. I got sick of Ruby and had to leave. No. Yeah, yeah. She got sick of always driving to my house and me never coming to her house. No. Oh. Next time. So Next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's our first story that we're going to well, do? I, guess? I think we should start with your experience because you had a pretty significant um, experience. We obviously can't go, like talk about the details too much because they do involve other people. But um, there was one time that I remember you telling me about that you were like a witness to an assault at work against another colleague. Oh, yes. Yes. And okay. Maybe you can talk to your experience and how it made you feel and those sorts of things. Yes. I know what story you're referencing now. Yeah. Uh, so there was a patient who uh, was quite delirious and mm. became a little bit violent, but he was also Bad. very um, physically able. Yes. So able to like walk around quite strong still. Mm. And he actually, he well, he got it in his head that there was a bomb somewhere mm. and that one of the other nurses had planted it. And he actually went up to her and grabbed her around the waist and was like, where's the bomb? Where's the bomb? And grabbed her arm and was like, tell me where the bomb is. And I was like, like I fully did not know what to do at all. Yeah. Had no idea. I was just not expecting it. I don't think. And because she had her back to him as well. So she didn't see him come up to her. Yeah. She would have had no idea. Yeah, so then she kind of, like, yelped and then I screamed and then I, like, tried – I had to, like, kind of pull him away from her. Yeah, and that's, and, like, a full-on blow uh, – like, code black. That is – Yeah. That's past, you know, verbal aggression or maybe even, like – we've had patients that hit and punch and kick and whatnot or spit. Like, we've we've definitely all had those. But to be physically grabbed, that is – like the worst sort of position you could be in. I think as well because it's it it is someone who like could do you harm oh, as well. Very easily, yeah. Very easily physically hurt you. And I think I I don't know who actually pressed the dress alarm, but somebody pressed the dress alarm and then security came and helped sort of de-escalate a little bit, which was really yeah. good. But it was very, like, I d- did not know what to say to her, to the nurse or, like, to the patient. I didn't know. I felt very, like, fr- like frazzled. Yeah. Frazzled, a bit like, ooh. Well, you'd be in shock. And you'd also be thinking about your safety as well. I think I as say. well because the patient had been talking about things that indicated that they might have had, like, quite a violent past as yeah. well so you just think wherever you are in your head you're obviously not here and I don't know what you're capable of mm. and what you might do and by that stage too like you start to think about your environment and unfortunately hospitals are not designed to be like a safe place to restrain a violent person like there's lots of things that they could use as a weapon to hurt you in those in those scenarios quite easily yeah exactly and you have to think about your safety your colleague's safety the safety of other patients and because they also get quite 
quite scared and quite nervous mm. if people are yelling and screaming and carrying on. Yeah. So you have to also tr- like try to kind of manage a lot of lot of things at the same time. Well, you can just imagine if you're like bed bound in a bed and someone is absolutely losing their marbles, kicking off, like you can't, you physically can't leave. You can't move. Like yeah. you're just kind of stuck there until and hoping that someone is looking after you in that sense. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. that's a very intense feeling for a patient. Yeah. Especially when you're not well and you're like already vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. So very, yeah, that was a very, like, probably the, one of the first things that I was ever, like, a little bit scared about. Yeah. And I remember, like, that at the time you definitely had mentioned stuff to me. Do you think that you had to talk that situation through a little bit to process it? Or how did you get past that and kind of face up to work again after that? Um, I... Definitely, I felt worse for the other nurse that I was with. Yeah, that's that, fair. That how yeah. they were gonna like face up to work and what they were gonna like, how they were gonna come back the next day. And I and felt like really if they bad sustained inju- injuries or you know, like physical and mental as well. Like, yeah, I felt really, I felt really bad for yeah. them actually. And that was more of my worry than my like, I didn't than me. Yourself. And I think that yeah. everybody also like that was working that shift ended up talking about it mm. um where that's how, what we use our little walk to the car park for i think yes yeah yes. a dual be... safety plus debrief i think nursing in general has that culture of like you when you get to the end of a shift especially like a late shift you tend to walk to your cars together which i think we use it as an excuse to like talk to each other but it's it's definitely um, for a safety reason, like an underlying reason is so that we all know that we get to our car safely or we drive each other to our cars or, you know, that, yeah, things. especially because it is quite late, like, you know, yeah. 11 o'clock, it's late. There's not a lot of people around. And if you finish a, like a bit late or, you know, you miss that first initial influx of everyone from every yeah. other area finishing at the same time, yeah, you might, you know, end up being kind of by yourself as you walk down yeah and it's not a ridiculous thought either because there are so many stories from so many different areas of people healthcare workers you know leaving work and being attacked after work like it's unfortunately a very common story were you not talking about a story that you had heard recently about Um, happening yeah well I guess I have a I somewhat personal experience with that like I when I worked remotely there was one place that I worked that had kind of a bit of a reputation like before I even got there people were warning me and giving me like a heads up about the environment about the type of um, community it was and some of those stories and warnings were probably not accurate I would say but there were definitely things that had happened that I wasn't aware of until I got there and I was warned about and actually told like so basically I was living on hospital grounds and um, it was like locked at all times padlocked and that sort of thing and there was one security guard that would 
walk and monitor um, every night, like go around to all of the hospital quarters and just make sure everyone was safe and there was nothing suspicious happening. And, um, yeah, you, like, get used to the torch and the sound of his boots on the leaves, like, near your cabin and that sort of thing. And to some extent that's comforting, but then the reason behind needing that is very scary in itself. Um, It turns out, like, 10 years prior there was a nurse that had gone out of the facility um, just for a walk, actually, and was dragged into the bushes and was um, raped and murdered. Um, and whilst that was such a long time ago, it doesn't mean that it definitely can't happen again. And they've implemented things now to prevent it happening again. So it's still, it's still seen as a risk, you know, if they're still yeah. doing that, it's because it's still a risk um, to the staff. And like, it's just simple things like you have the hospital doors locked at night and, you know, it's a bit different to working in a big big hospital where there's lots of different wards and you know um lots of light and lots of people yeah lots of doors like wards are actually hard to get to whereas like in a remote facility it's like it could just be you and one other person on at overnight and just a security guard that's scary yeah so you do have to like really think about your surroundings in those settings and I was told you know it's okay if you want to go out for a walk and do that explore where you are but do it safely like try and do it in a group try and tell people where you're going and how long you expect to be gone like those sorts of things because yeah you just you just never know and it turns out the place that was the locals were lovely they were really nice people it's just the it's the people that come to that area that are out of towners that often Uh are the ones that are bringing in like the bad things whether that be drugs or alcohol those sorts of things yeah so it was just like a big consideration for me when I was away um and something that I really had to learn quite quickly and something Um, you might not have felt as strongly about being in a metropolitan area yeah like I think there's things that I've always implemented maybe even from working at like when I was studying I worked at Woolworths and something that I learned very quickly is people will ask you oh so what time do you knock off you know and they most of them mean it very generally they just want to make it chit chat yeah yeah but there's other people that you're like oh I don't really want to tell you what time I finish because I don't want you like lingering (laughs) around the car park you know and that's something that I've learned at work is especially if you're on a weird shift that you might be the only one doing that shift time I just don't tell people when I finish work at all that's fair um yeah because those shifts in particular are the ones that you might rock up like a lot later than the morning staff do so getting car park is a bit challenging and that means that you could be parked quite a way away from the hospital or away from other people so it means that when you finish you're walking a lot further and more into a more secluded area so you just have to have your wits about you in those in those respects and that would be like a definite way that your perception has changed yeah I lock I lock my car as soon as I like jump into my car I lock it straight away so yeah that's a good that's probably a good thing to do yeah I think everyone has their own um things that they do 
but like do you remember a few years ago there was like those posters on how to protect yourself and how to walk your car safely oh yeah yes yeah I think like workplaces have to do that because they have to promote safety and that's totally valid but it's also interesting that they do that like I remember there's ones where it was like how to hold your keys when you're walking to your car yeah and that it's it's good that they do it but it's also kind of sad that they have to yeah a hundred percent yeah and there's always stories like that you hear from older staff members about people who've been assaulted in the car park and even though it's like you know they're like urban legends almost yeah um yeah I was actually listening to a podcast I really enjoy called Australian True Crime I was on like a long drive and I was just binge listening to this series and there was one on um from a lady called I think her name's Wendy Davis and she um was a social worker the episode I think is called um don't make a fuss it's just the Claremont killer but basically she was a social worker working in Perth um in the 1990s so 30 odd years ago now but it was like one afternoon and she had a lot of paperwork to catch up on and she just chosen like a more quiet part of the ward to work in and a telecom worker actually came to um yeah came to her desk and was like hey can I use the bathroom and she was like yeah it's just around the corner gave him directions and then realized that he had flushed the toilet really quickly like faster than the average person using the toilet and by the time she kind of clued on and said oh that's a bit odd she felt her hand come around her face and a cloth that was medicated with something and um she was getting dragged into a cupboard to be assaulted oh my goodness that's terrifying yeah it is because she was just in her workplace like yes this was a long time ago now Mm. but yeah it was but it also wasn't yeah what's scary about this story is that that person that assaulted her went on to be the Claremont killer and killed like at least three people. Wow. Um, so it's really scary. And it, it was just a really insightful story because it made you think like, yeah, you, you don't really know where that sort of stuff is going to happen. And you do have to have some level of awareness of what's where you are. of your surroundings. Yeah. yeah. There's some things like that, that she probably could not prevent at all. Like, mm. You know, and, and also a telecom worker you think is going to be a, a good person. You know, you don't expect them to be. It's also, person. there's a lot of people in hospitals. Like the sheer yeah. volume of staff is massive and everyone's wearing different uniforms. You don't necessarily go up and like, if you see somebody you don't that you don't immediately recognize, you don't go up and say, who, who are, are you? you? What are you doing here? Yeah. You like, don't. are they a yeah. maintenance worker? Are they a doctor from a specialty that you don't work in? That's just down there doing a consult. Yeah. Are they a you family know? member? Are like, they a yeah. family member? Are they doing an audit? Like, you just don't know. So it would be, like, it's scary how easy it would be for someone to just slip in unnoticed. Yeah. I just found that story so insightful and it's probably altered how I think about things now and also just watch out for my colleagues and like I definitely think in some ward areas there's not many 
um, places to hide. But there's, we were talking about this, there's always like nooks and crannies in a hospital. Like there's always places that we don't really like to go. Like I know that you were saying you don't really like going down to the basement in the hospital. Yeah, I don't like going to our main storeroom because it's terrifying. Yeah, and, that, and that's for a variety of it's, reasons. But it's like like lower ground. You yeah. only have to go there really during the night or if you're taking someone to the morgue <laughs> yeah which hope yeah which we don't do too often yeah um or and it's it's really well lit but there's just no one there yeah and I always think oh you would never hear anyone scream down here ever yeah but yeah and like I'm sure all of that now has security monitoring and that sort of thing but you would hope you always kind know. of wonder I have even... tried to look for it like to see if I can see a camera yeah, I always kind of wonder how fast a response would be if you were to press, like, a duress alarm if you're walking to your car and that sort of thing. But, like, you just kind of hope that, um, yeah, you hope that around. someone's watching. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You always hope that. And I think they have hospitals and workplaces have come a long way since maybe 30-odd years ago um, in the way of technology and those those things to try to prevent incidences from happening yeah yeah I don't think it should stop people from being aware and doing those things like we have a massive culture of waiting for people to walk down to the car together or whatever it is yeah making sure that you're kind of like with the team with your team yeah you're leaving yeah it's also nice just to make sure that you don't leave anyone behind yeah that's it yeah come in as a team leave as a team kind of yeah yeah that's it um, we probably could talk about this topic for way longer than what we have today. So it'd be interesting to know if other people have similar stories, whether it be inappropriate comments or their first, first arrest that they can remember, or even if they've had a, I don't know, a violent patient or a code black that they can remember a really scary well. scary situation. Yeah, I'd like like to share with us. Yeah, and if you do, um, Ruby and I have a voice recording link now on our app. We figured out how to use. We have. So we'll put that (laughs) in our show notes. So Um, so record something and then we might read it out maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the other thing is if you don't feel like recording, we have an Instagram account. Yeah, can you do a double? Yeah. So we'll, we could just read them out if you would prefer to be like a, completely anonymous. And I think even with the voice recordings, we would keep them anonymous, yeah, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because confidentiality and those sorts of things is a really big deal for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, but anyways. Anyway, that's the end of our second episode. Hopefully, if you've stuck around, you've enjoyed it. We're really grateful if you've listened. So, And we'll see you next Tuesday. See you then. Bye. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is recorded on, the Gubby Gubby people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present.